Hello and welcome to Viz, the podcast and show where the power of human connection and the age of information is the real driver behind our content. To sum us up, we, two curious journalists, discuss very important stuff, which is also the initials of Viz, with interesting people. We get up close and personal with each other and what we're discussing to give you, our listeners, the power to make positive change through knowledge about different topics. I'm Izzy. And I'm Star, and this week's topic is death and dying. Uh, now, before we get into it, we just wanted to put a, a disclaimer sorry, uh, at, to our listeners um, at the start of the programme that we're going to be talking about uh, this topic of death and also bereavement. And so if anyone finds these subjects distressing for any reason, uh, we would urge you not to tune in for this episode. We will also be giving out advice of where people can find help if they're struggling with a loss later in the show. Now, uh, the reason we've chosen this topic today is because we just believe it's really important. It's such a huge part of life and it affects every single person in the world. So this episode, uh, we really want to um, demystify and debunk some of the taboos that surround death in British culture and um, we also want to kind of open up a conversation about it as we love to do on the show of course the that's show. the point <laughs> and we also wanted to just encourage people to reflect on the inevitable role death plays in our lives and maybe consider some of the more difficult attitudes that that exist and attitudes you've personally had towards death that might need just to be like re reinvigorated or just to like have a little bit more mm. thought put into them you know and not only that, we want to empower you, our listeners, to make positive change in your lives, which again is in the mi very mission statement of this, of this show. And, it, and you know, to do that in whatever form uh, that may take. And later on in the show, uh, as I've mentioned, we're going to be talking about some of the ways in which uh, you can deal with uh, bereavement, death and loss too. I wanted to sort of kick off by introducing the topics that I'm sort of really interested in and fascinated by around the subject. I've mentioned before in the show that I'm really into philosophy and that this is why I find it so interesting because it's so loaded and it's just a really, really tricky topic. So I'm, I'm going to talk for a little bit now just about this idea, the, the ideas um, surrounding death that, that are really tricky. Um, now, the this specific subject euthanasia is is extreme has been debated by philosophers for a very very long time the reason it's so interesting is is because it's about our our right to die which seems odd but we do have a right to die so um euthanasia can be described as the deliberate ending of someone's life for compassionate reasons now compassion is really important in this sort of concept um and so I'll just go through some of the, the main sort of arguments that get discussed in society on, on two sides of this, of this idea. So on one side of the, of the pond, you've got arguments in favour of euthanasia. So first of all, most people would agree that we should have the right to be able to decide when and how we die. And this is the idea of self-determination at its core. And so it's, it's about enabling people to die with dignity and to be in control of the circumstances that surround their death. And, and this can also spare family and friends from witnessing their loved ones suffering for a really long time, which can be really traumatic. Um, and also death's quite a private matter. 
So some people argue that the state or the government shouldn't interfere with our own deaths. Like that shouldn't be something that they have a foot in. Um, and then on a more practical level, uh, a lot like keeping people alive is expensive and, and it can use a lot of resources. So especially when there's no cure for the illness and euthanasia could release precious resources to go towards treating people who could live. Now, these arguments I, I'm saying, uh, some people are probably wincing now because they're easy to say and they're easy to write down on paper, but they certainly raise red flags in my head uh, personally, just because of the way I've been taught to value human life and, and the ideas of life and death in our society and what they mean for us uh, means that euthanasia is never as straightforward as just looking at the most rational or practical reasons behind it. I mean, it's loaded to say the least. Um, so if we then go to the other side of the pond, uh, the arguments against euthanasia, I mean, these are also really striking. So uh, some argue that if euthanasia was allowed, it would weaken our society's respect for the value and importance of human life. And now this is the gut reaction I was talking about. This is what most people feel when they hear the arguments for euthanasia, like, whoa, hold on, but what about human life? Um, and the palliative care systems we have in place in our society are also there to reduce or remove the need for people to experience suffering. Um, so this idea that euthanasia is necessary, some people argue it's just not actually. Um, and some also argue that euthanasia would damage the doctor-patient relationships that we have carefully nurtured in this country, putting too much power into the hands of doctors and nurses and undermining the commitment that they have to saving people's lives. Uh, following this line of argument, some would also say that euthanasia would, would lead to worse care for those at the end of their lives for the terminally ill and discourage the development of new cures and treatments for these patients. And there's also this worry that people might feel pressured if euthanasia became the norm to, to die for the greater good of society, to save money, to help others who aren't terminally ill, etc. Um, so you can see from my big just splurge there of all of these arguments mm -hmm. that it's a really difficult topic to unravel because there's just so much in there. But today it's really relevant in the UK because we are living in an aging population. So palliative care is a really large part of our healthcare system, which means having conversations around stuff like this is just really important. Um, and so leading on from that, Later on in the show, we are going to be welcoming somebody who works in palliative care and who is really passionate about her role in the community just to get some better insight into this concept of like choosing when to die, which obviously sounds really weird. But um, uh, we're just going to talk about these ideas and, and talk about how that could lead to the improvement of our healthcare system for the benefit of those who are at the end of their lives. So, and mm. also the, the families of, of, the, of the people who are at the end of their lives too. Um, mm. now, now that I've just given you guys some context <laughs> as to why I'm sort of passionate about this and, and, and just given an idea of, of the arguments around that, I think Star should step in now. 
<laughs> yeah well i think i just i found i yeah thanks for sharing it because i i find it such an interesting topic uh, yeah. personally and um as you said um there a lot in the end as well just how how it's so such a relevant um kind of um i guess um societal discourse um that mm. needs to be happening you know a conversation that um, we do need to be talking about um, and I think you know especially in the context of just this last year um, we've been faced with death all around us Massively. haven't we Massively. Um, it's you know a lot of people have have, have either knocked on death's door um, by being ill or just come face to face with death in a way that we haven't really before you know every single day death is mentioned on the news you know there's the statistics about it all the time mm. um so yeah i think i think just to reiterate what is said uh you know it's a really i think it's a really important um topic in general but actually for this cultural moment that we're finding ourselves living in right now mm. um and speaking of um cultural moments um i really wanted to kick off the show by talking um a bit about um some of the cultural contexts um uh, of death in in other countries all around the world because many different countries all around the world actually deal with death in very different ways we've heard there from is um kind of some of the the debate about um euthanasia which is um you know kind of a topic for this country um and 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 in british culture but actually um as we said as well at the start of the show death affects every single person in the world mm. um so i thought it would be quite interesting just to look at some of the different ways um that yeah that, that different cultures deal with death as this inevitability um and what i find really striking about a lot of different cultures is when you begin to look into it is the fact that they don't just deal with death um as an inevitability which i personally tend to feel is true of the british way of dealing with death but they actually celebrate it uh, and now i i just wanted to mention it, an anecdote from um when I was traveling in India on my on my gap year um not to <laughs> not to uh yeah not to sound too trite but um yeah we went to Varanasi which is a massive city in the north of India and it's built around the uh, banks of the river Ganges uh, and in the Hindu religion uh which a lot of um people in India are a part of it's kind of the main religion of India um Varanasi is the holiest of holy cities and it's where people of that faith go to die as they be as they believe it will um, achieve them something called moksha uh, which is essentially the idea that your soul will be transported straight to heaven um, and avoid the cycle of uh, rebirth and karma where um, basically you can get trapped in the cycle where if you haven't lived out your um, your human life as you should you can get reincarnated as a cow or a cricket or a dog and you know you have to and then you get trapped in this cycle so so people make this migration make this journey to Varanasi um when um they're to, to die and um the city is full of actually um essentially kind of 
it's not really care homes but it's essentially kind of waiting rooms when people are really ill families use life savings to get family members to Varanasi um, so that they can die there um, but what actually happens when someone dies is um, there are massive parades um, through the streets where bodies um, are danced through the streets and they're wrapped in really bright colours um, that kind of represent different elements uh, of that person's life and then um, the bodies are taken down to the banks of the river uh, where there, there are these like kind of pyres and huge cremation ceremonies happen and these bodies are then burned on these huge cremation fire, uh, fires that these kind of burning gas as they're called um, after which the ashes then spread into the river and it's such a kind of striking sight because you can you know there's just it's a normal functioning um kind of um trade part of the river as a lot of the ganges is in is in india and there's boats going up and down and you can literally take a boat from the shore and you just travel up along the river and either side of just these huge raging fires and there's groups of people gathered all around them and yeah what just struck me when when we took we because we took a boat up the river and and to see these to see these cremation fires these burning gas and what struck me was just um well a the joy um so there's kind of days of celebration before during these cremations and after with the families um, and also not only the joy that we saw, but the kind of raw transparency of it. Um, you know, it was out quite literally out in the open mm. where everyone could see it. Um, and so, yeah, that that was just one story where I, I kind of a cultural story that I've personally come into contact with. But Varanasi um, and the rituals, the death rituals and ceremonies that happen um, there is just one example and there are so many examples from around the world. When I was actually researching some other examples to tell you about, um, I was just so <laughs> struck by how many there were. So I've, I've kind of picked a very small handful, but by no means is it representative of the kind of, you know, crazy traditions that, um, you know, some cultures and, and countries have. So um, one is uh, the first one which I wanted to, uh, to quickly tell you about is that there are jazz funerals that happen in New Orleans. And I, I, I was quite interested by um, this tradition because, you know, New Orleans is obviously in America, which is also a Western country. So I thought, you know, it was, it was quite interesting to see that, you know, even in kind of a, a more Western country, there are kind of kind of big different and joyous traditions to do with I that. suppose yeah I suppose New Orleans as well this is fitting because New Orleans is so cool it's so musical that is what underpins yeah. it that's that's the fabric yeah. of that community so you can sort of see why this is the way they celebrate death yeah totally yeah yeah so they so they um merge 
grieving and celebration and music as Izzy said which under you know is under the fab very fabric of their community and celebration and they have a funeral procession led through the streets um, and it's led by the the family members of the of the grieving family and an elaborate brass marching band and you know there's jazz musicians and um yeah there's there's all this music and it's such a wonderful um image isn't it to imagine mm. people through the streets and, and, and all this music which um yeah I found really interesting um and in Ghana they have something called uh, fantasy coffins so these are basically highly decorative coffins that celebrate uh, people's passion in life uh, the person who's died celebrates their passions in life so the coffins are actually made into the shapes of different things like animals or luxury cars wow um, and, and they and they usually represent the the dead's kind of lifetime hobbies I mean it's insane I was looking at some of these pictures and you know there's you know a coffin the shape of this rainbow colored bird I mean that's wow just, that's incredible I, it's incredible isn't it <laughs> Um, and yeah, so that, so that was another one that really struck me. Another one, which, um, is, is, happens in Mexico, uh, is called the Dia de Mertuos. I'm, I don't speak Spanish, so I'm very sorry if I completely butchered that. Um, uh, or the Day of the Dead. And those of you who uh, may have seen um, Coco, which is the uh, Pixar animation movie, uh, will be familiar with this tradition. But it's basically where families of the, of the deceased come together and they make private altars to remember their uh, their dead by filling it with food and flowers and photographs of that person and then the loved ones gather and they share food and play music and but most importantly to them in their tradition they tell the stories of their loved ones and that keeps their memories alive mm. um and so the idea being that um, their souls don't get lost lost in the afterlife because their memories are being uh, kept alive and passed down through the generations. Yeah, those uh, those those are just some examples I wanted to uh, go over. Um, Amazing. Well, I thought this from the outset. I was so cool. This uh, this might be a bit of a heavy and difficult to cope with episode, but actually that was really beautiful. Some of these proceeds, mm. some of these ceremonies are just so amazing, and just the culture, the different cultures here, that like listening to them is actually a really, really magical experience. To know mm. that these are all happening all around the world, and just the diversity there is just incredible. Um, mm. Mm. Now, uh, I think we're just going to go into a song now. We've had a lot of talking so far, so let's mm. give you guys a little bit of a break with a song uh this is my song choice my first song choice of the show now this is a song from one of my favorite movies i origins which was released in 2014 um and the film follows the love story of two people from really different walks of life who just fall head over heels for each other um and they view life and death in two wholly conflicting ways the main character is a scientist, like a doctor scientist man, um, but he's also an atheist and he completely denies his lover's views on reincarnation as pure speculation. He says that she's wrong and he scoffs at them and, you know, he's all like, oh, everything's got to be scientifically proven. 
but then I'm going to spoil the film for anybody who uh, wants to watch it. So, <laughs> Including know. me. I haven't watched it. I want to watch it. <laughs> I just think this is such a... So basically, he discovers something that gives scientific proof for life after death, for reincarnation. Obviously, it's fictionalised, but it's just such a magical story and and his lover lives on in in this in this film um and i just found the story really fascinating because it it goes through different ideas on death and life after death and stuff like that and the production is also really beautiful so and this is basically the soundtrack for that movie um so that's why i've chosen this one and also this song just gives me goosebumps i really really love it um so Mm -hmm. here it is this is the do with dust it off burning papers into ashes what a season how they fly high from the ground
Oh, mate, that is such a beautiful song. I can't My listen goodness. to it. I can't listen to it without getting like tingles. It's just like the voice. Her voice is stunning. Totally. Honestly. Totally. Yeah, <clears throat> I have goosebumps, and I mean, I wanted to watch it before just from your description, but I now I really want to. Watch I feel it. like that song embodies the film somehow. Wow. It's, it's so good. It's honestly. Wow. Yeah. That is definitely, um, it's definitely me on my lockdown watch list. Um, <laughs> Get it on there, put it at the top, I'd say. I'm putting it at the top, mate. I, I really am, I really am. Now, just, um, a, just so, a quick reminder that you are listening to Viz on Source FM with Star and Izzy. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> so, yeah, we um, are now going to... Um, in a moment introduce our guest um so is i don't know if you wanted to read out uh, her bio for yeah, us for sure our guest for today is alice now we've decided not to include her place of work or surname just due to the nature of the things we'll be discussing today um alice is a community nurse who works with people who are at the end of their lives and working so closely with the dying has made her really, really passionate about improving the procedures that surround palliative care. Um, and the idea of a good death, which is something that nurses talk about quite a lot, um, is something that she thinks more people should talk about in order to create just a healthier conversation around death in our society and to make things easier for families and people who are dying too. Um, and last year, Alice also experienced bereavement herself. So, and, and this only furthered her passion for the subject. So I'm uh, really excited to have her on to just get some more insight into this, into this really hard topic. Um, so yeah, we're really delighted to have Alice with us today. So without further ado, hello, Alice. Hello, welcome. No. Just do you want to just explain sort of your sort of your job and your your personal experiences of of witnessing death and, and being with people who are near the end of their lives? Yeah. Um. So I am. I've got a very long title, but the shortest as I'm a specialist community nurse, um, in Wiltshire, um, and my special sort of. Um, idea specialism is going to be end of life care um, and I'm currently undertaking sort of a master's in um, district nursing and my specialism is end of life care in that so um, I've been a nurse for four and a half years I think just about um, I've worked in acute hospitals and I've been the community now for just coming up to three years I think three years this year um so in the community we support a lot of patients who wish to die in their own home um it's pretty much every day we're seeing someone who's at the end of their life um and therefore we've seen a lot I've seen a lot of people die in their own home um experience wise we've had loads of different you meet loads of different people in the job um, you know, you have people in a one-bedroom flat in um, quite a deprived area, and you have people who live in mansions who are lords and ladies. Um, so we really see the extremes of how different people live and how they choose to live. Um, mm. And our job is to support anyone at home, if we can, to die if it's their wish. 
So mm. yeah. I think I think what you've said there about the diversity of patients you have sort of sums up what we were saying earlier in the show is that death is something that we will all have to face at some point. So it's about time we start talking about it more and being a bit more um, mm. uh, having healthier conversations about it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that we try and encourage families to talk about it um, and to get planning which sounds strange but it's to for a funeral for example it's about not planning it after someone's died but planning it before and it also that would show that that helps the bereavement process for the relative or friend after is that they mm. know had that conversation um and that's something we really try and promote and try and support it can be very difficult um it can be quite difficult when you're supporting uh, when i've supported children of patients who are my age or younger um, mm -hmm. so it's really hard to support with my age about them losing their parents that's quite a difficult one um we've got patients at the moment who've got young children under 10 it's about you know um adapting you know you might be supporting a child that's um 70 and then mm. the next supporting a child that's 20 and the next day be supporting a child that's five on how they're losing but it's it's yeah it's trying to be open with everyone about the process to make it easier for them mm. Mm. and so you talk you were just saying a bit there about um making the process a bit easier for them um could you just tell us in a in a, a bit more detail what the kind of makeup of palliative care is in this country um so where we are we're quite rural based um and there's not as much services you can drive um you know 10 miles out of the area in one direction and in a different county and they'll have completely different services um to sort of where we are i mean you've got macmillan Marie curie services we don't have that where we are um we have support from our local hospice um i think the palliative care is we're community nurses so we we don't just do palliative care we do there's other things as well um so from us we are there normally within the last actively in the last few weeks of life um but other palliative care nurses who that's their specialism um might be there for the last two three years of someone's life uh, support so from my point of view we're there pretty much what i'd more call the end of life so a palliative is quite a long it could be quite a long term mm. end of life we're sort of talking the more last few weeks of life so it's i think it's about like we said having those conversations and people getting more open i think if a family the term like a good death um i think is achievable to have a good death as long as everyone who's involved is open and honest and informed um i you know we have people that ask us what's it going to be like when we die it's not mm -hmm. Know the answer to mm. <laughs> because everyone's so different as well. Um, 
I I think we need to be more try and support people to die much more where they want to. But yeah, and you know, not just presume that everyone's going to die in a hospital, but really try and promote and all be organised enough that we can get people to die where they wish to. Which some people might want to die in a hospital um, or a hospice, and some people might really want to die at home. Mm-hmm. We need to try and get that conversation much more about dying, really. Now you said you you mentioned this term uh, a good death and and my mum's a nurse too and so she uses this term as well but it's not something that um, as lay people we would normally say so sort of what do you what do you mean by a good death? Um, so it's about a good death for me is someone who has um, outlined their wishes so I want to die in my own home I want to have no pain. I want to have all my family around me and I just want to drift off in my sleep. That for me is a, is a it's, if that's some, what someone wants and that's achieved, that's a good death. Um, if we have someone who is desperate to die in a hospice um, because they don't want to be in their own home, they don't want their family to be you know, grieving in the same house they've died in, um, and we don't achieve that to get them in hospice because of capacity or anything like that, um, that it might not be as much of a good death. But it's, it's, I think it's all about what a good death is to one person is, is different to another. Um, it's, all, it's all about the patient, really, isn't it? It's all about what that patient wants in, in the end of their life and, and, and what a good death means to them, which is quite beautiful. It's really individualistic and it's all about that person's personal desires. <laughs> person-centered care so it's we try and we plan with the person what their wishes are um how much they want to know about the process um who they want involved and you know you might have a family member who has no idea that their family member is dying but we have to appreciate that's their wish and it's so much as it's difficult for us as professionals sometimes that's the wish and we've got to try and we've got to meet that as much as we can do you do you personally struggle at times with with that element um yes I think so and I think probably this has come at a good time because of everything that's gone on the past year um you know things have changed slightly and we haven't been able to get people the you know the appropriate care they need um and you know families haven't been able to visit as much um and so that has we often have been one of the only people that have seen that person in the last few days. Um, there might just be a husband and wife, for example, and all their children are based in like London or up north. They can't come down. I've probably last summer I was FaceTiming with a family um, on a, on the husband's phone and just talking to them because they didn't know what was going on. Um, so I think it, this year has been difficult mm. and you know when you first see someone die you know it's it's a bit shocking I remember hiding in a cupboard after an award mm. <laughs> oh. it's a little meltdown um and if, you know the first time you see someone die because it's it's a, it's a strange thing to witness at the beginning but each I never I never get sort of I never don't get upset because it's all really upsetting but it's um you get you sort of become accustomed to how you deal with these things and 
you know you in the community you know we're driving from patient to patient you might just rather than go straight to your next patient you might just stop in a lay-by have a little moment and then crack on (laughs) I think I think at the moment in this sort of time as stars mentioned earlier in the show that that we we are sort of facing death head-on quite often now and I'm just in admiration of of the staff like you guys who are doing this job for us and 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 it's incredible to to know that you guys are strong enough to just to just crack on the yeah. fact that you can just say i oh, just crack on like that's amazing and really mm. inspirational so yeah wow try and get as much support i mean i try and support the rest of the team as well because everyone's really different you know um everyone reacts to things differently and i think for us, i think for us sort of and then frontline workers we we it's just our job so for us it's nothing much different apart from slightly other things that are going on but we're still doing our job um and that's what we want to do like we it's just it's part of the job and it's some things are tough like some some situations are tough and like I said I think when you have the the younger patients that die it's that's a bit tough because it's you know it's probably not their time at all um but it's just as upsetting if a 99 year old died sometimes so it's yeah Mm. Mm. and I I suppose that kind of links into a lot of what we've been talking about on this show is um just in the in the sense that um we wanted to kind of open up a conversation around death because I think often people that's that's a big thing that people struggle with even just to kind of talk about it you know um and and that to recognize that death is something that affects every single person on this planet so as much as possible to kind of yeah be be with each other in it and um open up a conversation so maybe it isn't so shocking when it affects us personally but that actually we can maybe be a bit more equipped to know know how to deal with it yeah um now uh i'm gonna go to your song choice now if you just want to introduce it i know this has quite a personal meaning to you so i'll just let you uh introduce the song yeah so um for me um i lost my grandfather in um april last last year 2020 um he was 96 when he went and he did die at home and he had a really good support network from the team I work with um, because of where he lived and our local hospice as well Um, and he did I definitely would say he had a good death and um, he was a massive football fan Um, and it was the one of the songs we had at his funeral Um, so yeah it's um, You'll Never Walk Alone um, by Jerry and the Pacemakers When you Stone. Hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of a stone, there's a gold. Silver song of love. 
yeah, great song choice, by the way. <laughs> um, so we just wanted to kind of um, hear about um, some of your uh, personal experiences uh, with maybe some people who have chosen to die sooner than they needed to. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's something I think when you have patients who have got a really long term condition, um, it can be really, it can be really, really difficult for them to come to terms of diagnosis. But also, I think what we probably in this country struggle with a little bit is accepting that people, again, like have their own wishes about how you know that they want their end of life to be. Um, and we have to sometimes adapt to things and things that may be out of the the norm, but that we probably should be getting more norm, norm more normalised. Um, it's yeah, I think it's quite often that is someone someone has thought about a lot, thought about very um, you know with their loved ones. And they come to that decision and as healthcare professionals you just have to stand by them and support them you know you have to follow obviously all your um policies and you know your procedures but it's again it's just about being the support for the person and also in the in the bereavement process after for family and friends um be there for them we do try and always offer support phone calls and I know that most local hospices probably have a really good bereavement service as well. So it's just about being there after. But um, it can be very sad. But you know that that person's probably come to terms with something. Yeah. It's probably not a quick decision that's been made. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's what it is. And we'll just do everything we can to to support. Now, you touched a little bit in there on, on, on about how our society as a whole sort of views ideas of death and and in the show we've talked about how loads of different cultures celebrate and view death um and we just wanted to ask whether you think our society does need to sort of change or adapt its ways of viewing death um just to benefit the healthcare system and to benefit those at the end of their lives yeah i think it's just about i think there's definitely some um some parts of other cultures that we should probably take and I think it's um I I remember being around I think a lady she was Italian and she had all her family like (laughs) all Mm -hmm. there um and around her bedside and after she died they just went and had a massive meal (laughs) like an hour Mm. later and celebrated and I there wasn't many tears, there was a few tears, but they were just all really celebrating and they'd all come to terms, they were all there to support each other. Um, mm. And, but, you know, I've in some patients that come across, they sort of, someone dies and then they all just go their separate ways. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they've all just completely disappeared. They've all been around for that sort of last moment or something and then they've all gone back to their normal lives and that's that and they then real convene at a funeral that's and then they sort of go their separate ways again um mm. so i think there's definitely parts to take but i think it's i think with covid and everything that's happened with covid 
is when people have managed to come and visit someone, they have really, really focused on that visit and they might not think they might not be able to come back the following day. Mm. Rules that always change. So they do try mm. and most of that visit, um, which has been nicer to see. But, you know, and other ways of other ways of visiting as well. You know, technology massively increased with healthcare. Um, yeah. Tools. Um, so it's something that could be taken forward. Um, well, will probably will be. Um, but you know, even if you're on the other side of the world, you can still sort of say goodbye to someone. Um, yeah, I think that's something beautiful that's come out of this whole um, pandemic as well as is this idea that actually connecting with people regularly is really important and can mm. be done whenever, wherever you you are. Mm. Um, Lucky, because my my grandfather probably just as the pandemic started we managed to get him on a call with um all his grandchildren pretty much or most of them um all different parts of the country um and actually I've got a picture of him talking to them on FaceTime and he is and he was like he said something like I can't believe I can do this oh wow <laughs> oh, what a special moment it was so lovely um so that and I was that I was next to him doing doing the call and um he was just so Oh, he was just incredibly um, overwhelmed and got a bit teary. He's quite an emotional chap, um, very teary that he could he could see everyone all in one. Um, oh. Couldn't hear probably anything that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> and just just to visualise everyone was lovely to see, but um, <laughs> good, yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Alice, for speaking to us. It's great mm. to have you on the show today thank Um, you so much yeah yeah and it's just great to have some insight from somebody who obviously has a bit more experience with this subject than uh star and i so so yeah (laughs) Yeah. really grateful and best of luck with everything um yeah take care thank you alice bye Bye. so if you've just tuned into source fm uh you're listening to viz with star and izzy Hello. <laughs> um, so uh, we've had quite a lot of talking. We've had a, an amazing uh, discussion uh, with Alice and a chat with her. So um, we thought we'd um, pop in another song for you now. Uh, this is my song choice for this week. Um, now this is a is a really uh, beautiful track, and it's one that I am uh, kind of discovered uh, around April last year. It was uh, released in March by Brighton-based artist Jarky Mono and it is basically um, this artist's, I suppose, um, process of dealing with with the loss of his father from when he was six years old. And now it's a really beautiful song. It's kind of a spoken word type track. Um, And it talks about just life and loss and death and love in such a beautiful way. Um, And I was so moved by it when I first heard it. I I just listened to it on repeat. It was just like absolutely, you know, tears streaming down my face. And I think it's just such a beautiful song to play in any context of um, talking about, you know, just the value of life life and loved ones um and i think yeah i'm not going to talk too much about it because i want i want kind of his words and and the track to speak for itself um 
but yeah so this is my song choice for this week it's a beautiful song uh, amazing artist it's called wet shave and it's by jarky mono oh baby <laughs> oh mate that has genuinely made me just, like cry quite yeah yeah so, it's, it's really so powerful cool. isn't it really it's powerful. really powerful i feel like a, that will speak to so many people that yeah. those words will speak to a lot of people who have experienced grief and, yeah. and feel the same way what an incredible yeah. guy and the Totally, the, yeah I, I i have seen the video to that as well and and the video footage it's so so minimal and simple but goodness me it gets you i know totally totally it's just raw and powerful mm. and yeah, yeah amazing stuff so yeah oh gosh it's been it's been a really um great show today hasn't yeah, it yeah emotive and deep but also yeah I think, I think really also quite happy in a way yeah quite a lot of joy yeah yeah now yeah. just to just to our final thoughts for the show we just wanted to give some tips for those who are obviously we're in an age where death is really pertinent and it's around us quite a lot so we just wanted to give some tips to people who have been recently bereaved or those coping with grief and uh, now these are taken mm -hmm. from the cruise bereavement care website which is one of the national organization one of the main national organizations that the nhs would recommend you um access if you are struggling with such topics um mm -hmm. and we just wanted to run through some things that that we'd recommend so so do please do talk to other people about the person who has died about your memories mm. and your feelings, tell stories, share anecdotes, you know, and, and don't, mm. don't let those, those memories fade. Just keep them with you, you know? Mm -mm. And also look after yourself. So eat properly and try to get enough rest, even if you can't sleep, you know, it's really important. Self-care is um, such a, an important part of um, supporting yourself through that time mm. of bereavement and grief mm. and also give yourself time and permission to grieve it's okay you've got to recognize that this those the feelings you are experiencing are totally valid and you've got to allow yourself just a little bit of time to to just feel that way mm -mm. and also seek help and support if you feel you need it this is such an important one i think um you know there's a there's a big thing in, in our culture in our society um you know about asking for help um mm. and, and saying when you need support but that's totally okay um if you do feel like you need um support um so seek it out you know whether whether that is from um cruise bereavement care or family members or trusted friends and loved ones you know mm. it's, it's it's so important and and when you do seek this help tell them what you need sometimes we might feel like accepting that we need something from other people is a sign of weakness but it's totally not you need mm. to, it, we all need other people around us and it's you you should you should let people know what you need how they can help you in this time because chances mm. are everybody will want to help you you know mm -hmm. uh if it was you on the other side you would I guarantee you'd want to help them so mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. you've got to recognize that totally yeah 
So we also wanted to run through um, some don'ts. We've been over some definite do's. Um, so yeah, here's just, here's just some don'ts, what you don't really want to be doing in this time. And the first one of those is um, you don't want to be isolating yourself. You don't want to isolate yourself unless you have to. Um, obviously due to illness um or the current restrictions or anything like that but you know um isolating yourself can also look like cutting off all contact whether that's phone or um, email or or facetiming um other people um it's really important to stay connected um to your loved ones um and the people that care about you um because it can feel really lonely um, when you do isolate yourself and you can quite quickly feel um yeah a lot Ooh. worse um for not feeling like you have any support around you as you're going through this time yeah and in that you you don't want to keep your emotions bottled up we've talked about sharing but we, we can't reiterate enough how important it is just to let people let those things out because otherwise they'll be mm -hmm. there niggling at you for, mm -hmm. forever and it could be 10 years and if you haven't shared them that they'll still be in there you know and it will really mm. affect you. So you see, you've got to keep, don't keep your emotions bottled up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also don't think you're weak for needing help. You know, there is zero shame in needing help through a time of bereavement. Um, yeah. So just to reiterate, I think we've been over a bit mm. already, but just to reiterate, you know, that you don't think in any way that you are weak for needing help from anyone. Yeah, and don't and don't feel guilty if you're struggling to cope. There's no shame there. Well, there's no reason to imagine how you would approach somebody who is in a grieving situation. You would not, you would not in any way want them to feel ashamed of that. You know, you would want them to to feel uh, accepting of their grief and and also just to seek help and and know that it's okay to just really need somebody to somebody to have to cry on their shoulder or something mm -hmm. um, yeah totally and finally um don't rely on drugs or alcohol because the relief will only be temporary and although those may feel like you know things that you um, want to turn to, to to help ease that pain on a long-term basis um kind of recovery from grief and from loss um, and bereavement will only come when you're connected with other people that can stand by your side and help you through it so yeah, yeah it's really important not to rely on drugs or alcohol yeah. in the long run now, all of these tips have come from Cruise Bereavement Care's uh, website. They are a national charity that ensures all bereaved people have somewhere to turn when someone dies. And if you are struggling with any of the things that we've talked about in the show, or you just want to go to somebody and ask for some advice, you can contact Cruise Bereavement Care on their helpline on 0808 808 1677. That's 0808 808-1677 or you can visit their website on www.cruise.org.uk Now to end the show of course is our blurt of the week 
It's my da, 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 da. it's my blurb <laughs> week this week, and I have decided to do a quote from one of my favourite philosophers, of course, Epicurus, who <laughs> lived blooming ages ago, but he was super smart, and he said this about death, and I I've always just tried to take this in a little bit. It's difficult because it sort of is a bit jarring, but actually, what he's saying makes complete sense. Now, mm. it, he says, death is nothing to us. When we exist, death is not. And when death exists, we are not. All sensation and consciousness ends with death. And therefore, in death, there is neither pleasure nor pain. The fear of death arises from the belief that in death, there is awareness. Now, the beginning, wow. the beginning is the, my favourite bit, bit. So it's death is nothing to us. When we exist, death is not. And when death exists, we are not. Which I think is mm. quite a beautiful way of looking at it. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, I just wanted to share that with everyone, blurt it out and just let everyone take that in for a minute. Yeah, I think that I think that's a great blurt for the week and definitely a good blurt for this topic as well. Great way to end it. Um, so we wanted to... Um, give you a little heads up what's coming up next week um a really um engaging and quite political um show we've got coming up next week so next week um on the 20th is the historical presidential inauguration of joe biden uh, it's probably one of the biggest days uh, in the calendar this year in the world calendar um so we wanted to dive into some of the topics that have led to this moment including the unprecedented global response to the black lives matter movement uh, now we'll be welcoming a very special guest from black voices cornwall uh, to hear about how they were inspired by this movement to start the amazing work they do now. Um, it's really one that you shouldn't miss. Uh, so should be sure to tune in at 3 p.m. next Friday here on Source FM to catch it. Thanks for listening. We've been Viz. Viz RV. Star and Izzy. <laughs> See you next week. See you next week, everyone. <laughs>